God's in his heaven, all's right with the world. My first day of first grade, Sister Amadolarine walked into the room and standing in front of the blackboard, took up a piece of chalk in her hand. I leaned forward, eager to see what she would write. The tail end of six kids, I'd been dying for years to come to St. John's, even though my big sisters called it the snake pit. I'd been to kindergarten, total waste of time. No reading, no writing, 50 kids wrangling to play with the farm set. I waited for weeks to play with that thing, and when I finally got my chance, the cow was missing a leg. The curriculum was equally disappointing. My first day of kindergarten, I showed the teacher my deputy dog pencil box, which I begged my mom to buy at the Valley Fair. Look, I said, I have a deputy dog pencil box. And she looked down at me and snarled, put it away. You won't learn to write till next year. So when Sister Amadolarine walked briskly into room 1B and picked up that chalk, it looked like she meant business, which was fine with me, because so did I. She turned to the blackboard and slowly drew a circle. Then she put the chalk down and turned back to the class. That, she pointed, her finger leaving a moist oval on the blackboard, is God. There is no beginning and there is no end to God. And she dusted off her hands and started to talk. I felt something go ping inside my head as I tried to comprehend the enormity of what she had just done. My God was not a concept. He was a judgmental, grandfatherly type. Once, I had heard the big kids discussing the beginning of time, and that night, I lay in my bunk bed, sweatily trying to imagine that. I imagined back to no town, no cavemen, no earth, and finally, no universe, not even stars. Nothing but black. I could only hold that thought for a few seconds, and when I was done, my head hurt. It was hurting just like that when Sister drew that circle on the board. She was droning on about God, but I couldn't get past that circle thing. Like many people resisting a new intellectual construct, I began to nitpick. My hand shot up. Sister, Sister, Sister Alma peered down the row at me. What? What is it? It was not a question meant to be answered, but to put me in my place, the place where some snot-nosed kid isn't raising her hand with a goddamn question within five minutes of class starting. I put my hand down. Nothing, I said, but inside I was saying loudly, you said there's no beginning and no end to God, but I can see the beginning and the end of that circle because there on the board exposing her fraud was a tiny nib of chalk on the spot where she'd begun her circle. It drove me crazy. None of this made any sense, but I just colored my picture of the Blessed Mother and said nothing. When I went home, my mother asked me how my first day had gone. Sister drew a circle on the board and told us it was God, I said. My mother turned from the sink, incredulous. What kind of crap is that? She snorted. Stupid Vatican too. When I was a teenager, I worked in Greenwich Village at a clothing store. My co-workers mostly lived on the Lower East Side. They called me hippie chick and gave me the shittiest tasks, like sending me to Washington Square Park to buy them pot. I was too scared of them to argue, the way they talked about street gangs and Saturday night cockfights. There was a fortune teller up the street, a sharp-eyed woman in her 40s. 
She came into the store every day, and she gave me the willies, which, of course, she picked right up on. Lord is, she laughed to one of the girls. Where'd you get this greenie? Every day she'd come in and ask me to let her read my fortune. At first, I politely declined, but I learned there's no polite declining of a fortune teller. After that, she made it her mission to do a reading for me. She must have told the girls to work on me because one afternoon when I came back from the park with their dime bag, Lourdes said to me, holding her breath between tokes, Hippie chick, you should go see Sabina. She's good. We all go to her. The other girls nodded as they passed the joint around. I was going to ask how good Sabina could be if she was advising Lourdes to stay in a tenement on the Lower East Side with her cockfighting boyfriend, but I said nothing. Next day, I gave in and told Sabina I would come. How much is a reading? I asked innocently. Sabina leaned in over the cash register and whispered to me, her gold tooth flashing. No money, she hissed. Steal me that dress. And she pointed to a dress on the disco favorites rack, a red nylon wrap dress she'd pawed at every time she came in. At first, I didn't understand. Should she just tell me to steal a dress? No, Sabina, I can't do that, I said. I I can't steal a dress for you. Sabina smiled. Yes, you can, she said. You can do it. Don't worry. You won't get caught. I told her the point wasn't about getting caught. She just laughed and showed her gold tooth. Just the same, she said. You'll steal it for me. So now, add a fortune teller after me. I tried to dodge Sabina, ducking into the bathroom when she came in and changing my route to work so I wouldn't pass her on the street, but she always managed to find me. Every day for two weeks, she hounded me about that dress. Did you steal it yet? When are you bringing it to me? Trying to discourage her, I put the dress on a rack behind the register marked sold. Sabina laughed when she saw it there. Sold, she chortled. Sold. What was that about? Lourdes asked, locking the door after Sabina left. It was Thursday, which was mannequin strip night, and we had to stay late and undress the mannequins in the window because on Friday mornings the window dressers came to put a fresh set of hideous outfits on them. I explained as we peeled hot pants and halter tops off chipped legs and torsos. I have to steal a dress to pay Sabina for my reading. She won't take money. Lourdes shrugged. So hippie chick, just steal the fucking dress already. You don't want her mad at you, not for nothing. We placed the naked mannequins back in the window and put their clothes on the sail rack. We locked the door and shooed away the two guys in trench coats who came every Thursday to stare at the naked mannequins. Then we pulled the gate down and padlocked it. And then I went home. The situation had to be resolved and resolved immediately. I was under a fortune teller's spell and I didn't like it. I didn't want to steal the dress, and I didn't want to get on Sabina's bad side. Why couldn't she just take money like a normal person? I walked into the house, and my mom was there. She peered at me suspiciously. What? What is it? I had been studiously avoiding the Sabina topic with my mom. I figured, since she was a devout Catholic who believed that Ouija boards were an instrument of the devil, there really wouldn't be much point to telling her. And so it was with some surprise that I found myself saying, Mom, I got in over my head with a fortune teller. My mom's usual reaction to folly was to box the ears of the offender and call them an idiot. But surprisingly, she didn't do that. Instead, she gave the matter thoughtful consideration. You can't steal that dress, she said. I know, it's wrong, my mother rolled her eyes. No, then she'll think she's got you in her power and she'll never let you go. That's when I realized that asking her advice was the perfect thing to do. The only way to fight crazy superstition was with crazy superstition. To my mom, the 
the fortune tellers were kind of like the devil. And the devil was a person my mother took very seriously. When I die, you girls have to make a prayer circle around me because you know that's when the devil comes and tries to steal your soul. As if our half-hearted prayers could create the force field necessary to keep the devil from claiming the one thing his soul collection lacked, a bitter, pissed-off Irish woman. I'm going in to say my novena to St. Jude, my mom announced. Twenty minutes later, she emerged from her bedroom, sipping cold Nescafe from a battered coffee mug. Buy the dress, she said, but tell the fortune teller you stole it. Of course, it made perfect sense. God was back on his throne where he belonged, not some dumb circle that nobody knows what the fuck that thing is supposed to mean, but an old man who knew a thing or two about tricking fortune tellers and the devil. And so I bought the dress with my employee discount and brought it to Sabina and told her I stole it. She was pleased, of course. I told you you'd steal it for me, she gloated. Then she took my hand and started to read my palm. She droned on and on, but I didn't hear one word in ten. I kept staring at the statue of the Blessed Mother behind her, at her soft smile and blue cloak, and said nothing. <laughs>